You're listening to a Natural Products Insider Podcast. With Judy Bazzazzaro, Senior Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas. Hi, and welcome to a Supply Side edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast Series. I'm Judy Bazzazzaro, and with me on the phone today, I have Ed Dudley. He is the Director of Technical and Analytical Innovation at Griffith Foods. He'll be speaking on the How to Win in the Booming Plant-Based Nutrition Sector workshop taking place on Wednesday, October 16th at Supply Side West in Las Vegas. Ed, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Judy. My pleasure. Yeah, um, you know, plant-based, it's, it's, it's booming, to, uh, to say the least. And, in fact, um, the Plant-Based Foods Association, they recently did uh, another uh, survey, and it shows that really plant-based foods reached $4.5 billion this year, which is an 11% jump over last year. And this really is being driven by consumer demand for clean labels and food and beverage products that really align with their values related to, you know, like health and wellness, sustainability, and eco-consciousness. You know, you've been in the industry for so many years. How has the plant-based nutrition uh, sector really evolved over the past few years? What's really, you know, getting all the traction? So it's definitely exploding. I mean, there's no question about that. We all see the uh, various newsletters and blogs and what have you. And while I think it's still relatively small compared to, say, animal-based um, proteins, for example, um, it's no longer niche. I mean, big companies are making investments and are partnering up with um, companies like Beyond and Possible Burger. Um, and now that that's happening, I think you know there's going to be traction and we're going to see this area continue to grow. Um, largely because consumers are demanding it. Consumers want clean eating, um, whether it's for nutritional reasons, whether it's for ethical reasons. Um, more consumers are either replacing part of their diet with plant-based um, ingredients or all of their diet with plant-based ingredients. And I think that while it's a trend, um, I think it's a macro trend. I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. I think we're going to continue to see um, the growth of plant-based ingredients across really all of the food segments, whether it's protein, snacks, beverages, et cetera. I think it's here to stay. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, obviously to have those products, you need plant-based ingredients. So um, can you talk about some of the big picture issues surrounding the ingredients themselves? Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest issues that we see as food scientists and formulators is that plant-based ingredients don't really behave the same way as, for example, say an animal protein or some of the synthetic or chemical uh, functional materials that we are more used to working with. So um, it's really been a a very quick um, learning process, I think, for food scientists and product developers to really understand how to utilize these plant-based materials and get them to be functional and work as they want them to. Um, They, for example, may differ in terms of um, their protein quality. Animal proteins are a complete protein. All of the essential amino acids are there. In most cases, uh, plant-based materials are not. So one needs to understand how to combine 
different sources of these plant-based ingredients together in order to get that complete protein. They also, as I mentioned, differ very much in their functionality. So uh, in terms of, you know, setting up a, a particular product, say a snack substrate, a chip, um, you know, working with wheat flour or some of the other grains, we know how to do that and we know how to get a desirable end texture. As soon as you start introducing plant materials like lentils or chickpeas, um, you're not going to necessarily maybe get the same gluten structure. Um, your, your chip may not be crisp and um, appealing. It may be dense and uh, mealy, and one needs to know what they can do uh, to, to manage through those challenges. So it's really opened up um, a whole new world of opportunities, I think, for the food scientists to work with ingredient suppliers um, to come up with you know, natural solutions uh, to help really create a toolbox to work with uh, the plant-based materials. Yeah, I, t I totally agree. And of course, we're going to see a ton of that at Supply Side West. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, your wheelhouse really is in ideation and formulation. Can you talk about some of the trending or some of the most popular plant-based ingredients that you're seeing in finished goods or you're getting requests from from your customers and, you know, really how they differ from traditional plant pro proteins, you know, like soy. Yeah, I think people, you know, 10 years ago that they immediately would think of soy when they talked about plant-based proteins, but we have all these other ones, you know, pea protein, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, soy is interesting because uh, I think for a while it, it sort of went through perhaps a bit of uh, a negative public relations, uh, you know, uh, issue uh, where people saw it as cheap filler. Uh, think back to the days of Hamburger Helper, you know, back in the 60s and 70s where you were just trying to extend uh, meat and it was a cheap way to do that. And now, um, you know, most of uh, the plant-based burgers and meat alternatives that are in the market currently, at least, are very much soy-based. And that's because, as I mentioned earlier, it is a complete protein. It does have all of those amino acids. Um, and it's very functional. It's very easy to work with. But as we know, there's increased concern around allergens um, in terms of soy. So as you mentioned, things like pea, potato, and rice um, in particular have really emerged as um, very functional alternatives to soy, but each come you know, with their own challenges, um, whether that's off notes or whether it's uh, functionality that's not exactly the same as soy. Um, but there are various um, other proteins that are up and coming, for example, hemp, um, which we're still really trying to figure out exactly how to utilize that. But it seems that um, there's going to continue to be uh, new plant proteins discovered um, on a regular basis, and we're just going to have to really um, take the time to figure out how to formulate with those, how to combine them, which protein to use where, et cetera. Um, and I think you know we can get into some of the um, specific formulation challenges um, that each of those provide um, for sure, and I will do that um, you know, during our talk in October. Um, but to say the least, um, each comes with its own unique set of uh, challenges and um, opportunities, let's say, to uh, work through. Ed, uh, you talked about challenges. It's, that, that's big. I mean, formulators need a toolbox of solutions for a lot of these challenges. Can you dive a little bit 
more deeply into some of them. I know, you know, we've talked about functionality and um, you're going to be speaking about sensory. So can you talk maybe about the, the top three challenge, formulation challenges that formulators face when using plant-based proteins or plant-based other ingredients? Absolutely. So, um, you know, we mentioned sensory and we mentioned functional. I think it is two broad categories. Those are definitely the most challenging for formulators. There are other challenges, of course, such as nutrition and ingredient statements, regulatory, et cetera. But from a formulator's uh, point of view, really in the area of sensory, it has to do with un undesirable flavors. Many of the, the plant proteins come along with um, flavors that can be described as green or beany or starchy or bitter or earthy or dirty. And the formulator needs to really understand what other um, raw materials are out there that can help either mask or modulate those flavors. So there are uh, flavor houses, of course, working on things uh, such as bitter blockers or maskers. There are complementary flavors you know, one can use um, to accentuate the positive and diminish the negative. Um, you can play with your other basic flavors, such as sweet, salt, um, sour, etc. There's a variety of techniques um, that the developer really needs to learn um, in order to work with these off notes. But again, there are tools out there. I know that most flavor houses that I talk to have a line of uh, products now specifically designed to address these um, off notes that come along with um, the plant-based ingredients. Um, another big area, as we've talked a little bit, is an area of functionality. So, you know, animal proteins are extremely functional. Um, we know how to manipulate them. We know how to extract them. We know how to create, you know, products that stick together in ground form. Um, we know how to make them plump and juicy, et cetera. With the plant proteins, because of the difference in the structure of the protein itself, they don't work the same way as animal proteins. So we've had to kind of come up with workarounds, if you will, uh, in order to get some of those same desirable eating characteristics um, out of plant proteins. So whether that's working with hydrocolloids like starches and gums, or whether that's working with other ingredients like inulin or um, some of these other texturizers that are available, um, there are ways to work around it. But the challenge is that each of these plant proteins and ingredients do behave differently. So one needs to become familiar with the functionality of each, learn how to combine them to minimize the negative and maximize the positive, and then how to incorporate uh, some of these different raw materials that suppliers have developed for us um, as tools to really um, be able to make a, a product that tastes great and eats great without the animal protein. Okay, great. And I know that um, Griffith Foods, uh, you guys have a plant-based protein formulation toolbox. Can you kind of tell our, our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, we, um, you know, we are an ingredient company uh, supplying materials to other companies. And we decided to come up with our own toolbox, both for internal use as well as to share with, with our customers. And we really took a two-prong approach similar to what I just described. First, in the area of sensory, we really have scoured the industry, um, looking at um, almost every flavor house we can talk to. 
to understand what they have available as solutions. And we've screened those, um, we've done applications testing with them, and we've kind of whittled it down to kind of the best few um, that we know how to manipulate and um, pair together to get, you know, good synergies that can really um, accentuate, the again, the positive and get rid of those undesirable off notes. We also have an internal uh, flavor house, and we've done quite a bit of work uh, with them as well to um, develop some of these maskers, blockers, potentiators, et cetera. And then in the area of texture and functional, um, we have put together really, uh, again, a toolbox of um, raw materials that, again, consist of hydrocolloids, such as starches and gums, other types of plant proteins, et cetera. And we took kind of a three-prong approach um, to coming up with that toolkit because what we found is that there are really three primary challenges when it comes to functionality, which is getting um, a good emulsifier so that water and fat will stay together, getting the, the gel structuring that one needs in order to create that desirable texture so that you don't end up with mush, you end up with a nice, firm, appealing bite um, when you bite into your product. And then finally, um, we call it kind of a protein glue, if you will, which helps hold everything together. So animal proteins do all those things just inherently, but with plant proteins, we've had to build in uh, different combinations of raw materials in order to simulate those three functionalities. And what we've done is we've, again, kind of whittled it down to the best few. So we have um, sort of starting formulas that developers can use depending on which particular proteins they might be using. And we have tested out an application, the various synergies that might occur to really come up with um, a system that, again, gives those desired um, and sensory characteristics um, with the minimal number of ingredients and a, a natural ingredient statement using you know, pantry-friendly ingredients where possible. Uh, you know, again, Ed, thank you so much. This is, you know, really just a glimpse of the types of topics that Ed and our panelists will be talking about at Supply Side West. And so, you know, I look forward to hearing you speak uh, on October 16th and safe travels. And um, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, thanks, Judy. I think this is going to be a, an exciting and fun uh, panel discussion. And um, I look forward to being part of that and really having a a, a great interaction with uh, the other panel members as well as our audience. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. This edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast is brought to you by Supply Side West, October 15th through the 19th in Las Vegas.